Hey, so I want to tell you something that maybe some of you don't know about me. I know a ton about cars. I can put gas in them. Any kind of car. Um, I can, I know how to turn on the air conditioning and the heater. If something were to go wrong with my car, I'm able to pull it to the side of the road and pop the hood and stand there gazing into the engine compartment with this diagnostic look on my face. I can't. With that in mind, I tell you this. There was a point, I had a 1994 Honda Civic, and it started to tick. I'm driving down the road, tick, 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 tick. But it wasn't a problem. All I had to do was turn up the radio a little louder, and it went away. It was good. Well, eventually, it got quite a bit louder where the radio thing didn't work anymore. And so at one point, I'm driving down the road, it's like tick, 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 tick. And so I pulled over, popped the hood, went around, and as traffic's going by, I stood there like I had seen generations before, (laughs) believing that if I stared at it long enough, I'd know. As I stood there, it occurred to me, and I diagnosed the problem as, it'll be fine. And I closed the hood and I got back in the car. Well, it was a Saturday and my wife and I were headed down to the beach and we're driving down and, and Laura's like, do you hear that ticking? What, what's that ticking? I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. It's been doing that. Well, at one point it got, it was pretty loud and she, and she just said, you need to pull over, pull it. I don't, I don't want something to happen. So I pulled over, popped the hood, put on my face, got out. And as I had a look, I determined that, well, the car's getting older and older cars make noise. So with that, I shut the hood, went, climbed back in, and Laura said, what'd you find? It'll be fine. We got 25 miles before we're driving down the freeway and the car just ching, 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 ching. And I started to get a little concerned, like maybe it's not gonna be fine. I pull off the on-ramp. I get on the on-ramp and our car comes to a violent and abrupt halt. It just went chunk. Here's what was amazing about this. I got to see all the lights on my dashboard come on at the same time. It was like Christmas. I'm like, whoa, I did. See, it turns out that a few days earlier when I had taken my car in to get an oil changed, they drained the oil, but apparently putting oil back in the car wasn't part of the package that I had purchased. That was extra, I guess. And they didn't put any oil back in the car. Here's the other thing I realized. That little light on your dash that looks like a genie lamp doesn't mean make a wish. (laughs) Like I had thought it did for the last four or five days that I'd been driving around. Now, I I failed in a few ways. One, I didn't know what to look for. I, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's like the engine. Like my job is to drive the car. It's the car's job to be driven. And so I didn't know what to look for. The other way that, that things went bad is I didn't recognize the damage, the effect of what was happening to my engine. 
And so I just justified it and I minimized it and I made it no big deal so I didn't have to deal with it and I didn't have to face it. The third way that, that I failed was I never invited anybody who knew something really about anything into the situation to, to let me know, hey, this is a problem. You should check this and this. And as, as I was telling the story, it was kind of fun. Uh, from up here, as I'm telling the story, I bet I could point out several of the car people. Because as I'm telling this story and I say ticking, immediately they went, oh no. <laughs> they knew where this was going. If I had just invited someone into the situation who knew what was going on, my car could have been saved. But I didn't. And as we've been going through this, this series of what is the gospel, we, we need to realize that it's not just about what we need to do to look like a Christian, to act like a Christian, to, to live a moral life. and to, This, the gospel, is about what was done for us. It's not what we can do, it's what God did for us. And if we will understand that, it should change our life. If we would understand what God did and the effect, if we will embrace it and invite him to live it out in us, what effect that has on us, it, it should radically change us. It should make a whole difference in our life. And what we're gonna look at today is what are some of the ways that maybe you, like me, are maybe, and when we, when we read the Bible, and we read the Bible and, and it says things like, I've given you new life. When it says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. In what ways are we misdiagnosing? In what ways are we, are we settling for a watered down version of the power of God in our life? In what way are, are we, we saying, okay, I believe it, it's part of my theology, but man, I'm not living it out. It's sort of like saying, I believe the Dodgers exist. Are you gonna go to a game? No, no, no. I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to go to a game. I know they're out there. Well, but if you go to a game, you'll, you'll get to see them hit and you'll get to see them. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's fine. And you, we settle for just knowing. And we, we settle for a watered down version of a relationship that God wants. And instead, we settle for religion or we settle for morality. We settle for ethics and, and this is all fine with us. And then we come to a place where we just go, Okay, and now I'll just go through the motions. So I want to ask you to do something right now. And, and maybe you came in with this as, as your heart and your mindset and, and, and you're, you're ready to go. But maybe if, if you're like me, so often I wrestle and, and, and forget to do this. But I want to challenge you to do this. This morning, let's expect God to move. Can we do that? Can we believe that the God of the Bible is the God who promises to be here with us today and that he's a huge God? Can we expect him to move? Can we believe and expect the Holy Spirit to be who the Holy Spirit says he is and to move among us this morning so we're not just going through the motions, so we're not just having some religion time, but instead we are interacting with the living God. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for me. 
And if this applies to you as well, I wanna encourage you and invite you to make this your prayer as well because I don't wanna just go through the next 60 minutes so that we can get through the next 60 minutes. So Lord God, I come to you right now and I pray that you would move in power. I expect you to move. God, I expect you to change lives. I expect you to reveal yourself because this is what you've promised to do. God, and, and I'm sorry for all the ways that, that I have stopped expecting. I am sorry for the ways that I just go through the motions of being a pastor or going to church or giving a message or studying your word and I just kind of make it about that. God, I want you to move this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and that you would stir stuff up in us that maybe we just want to go away. But God, that you would move in power and that we would let you have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now, if you, want, if you brought a Bible and you wanna open your Bible to Ephesians chapter two, or if you wanna pull out your phone and pull up your Bible, you can look at it that way. The verses are also on your bulletin insert. The verses will also be up on the screen. Apparently, we really want you to be able to see these verses. So in some way, we're gonna start in Ephesians chapter two. Now, this was a letter written by a guy named Paul to people in Ephesus. So they are the Ephesians. That's where the Ephesians word comes from. And here is what I love about reading these letters that, that are in the Bible. It shows me, it should show us that these people weren't special people. It wasn't like first century Christians somehow had this more direct connection with God. We can kind of think that, right? Oh, well, they were like right around Jesus and or they, they knew the disciples. Oh, I mean, if I had Paul speaking to me, I'd, they were just like us. And if, as we read these letters, as we read this letter, we're gonna realize that, man, they needed to be reminded of the same kind of stuff that I need to be reminded of. So this morning as we read this, don't just read it as, oh, this letter to some people long ago. This is to you. This is to me. And it still applies to us because it applied to them. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Let's just sit in that for a second. He, the devil, is the spirit at work in the lives of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So based on what we see here, is Paul, who's Paul talking to? Is he writing to Christians or non-Christians? Say Christians. Christians, right? See, this is okay, I'm not here to test you. Okay. He's talking to Christians, and he's going, look, this is what you were saved from. This is the reason that the Bible is good news. Once you were dead, disobedient, following sinful desires and inclinations and subject to God's anger. Through faith in Jesus, you're saved. Through faith in Jesus, you're set free. 
through faith in Jesus, through being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are no longer compelled here. You, you no longer have to, well, yeah, I just have to do these things because it's just my, my nature and, and I don't have a choice. We have been set free through faith in Jesus, through being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're free. Good news. Yes? I, and, and I think about this and, and how often, I mean, I grew up in church and I've, I've heard, you know, the stories and the, and the sermons and all these things and how it has led me so often to, I look at this and be like, Jeff, you're no longer dead. You have been made alive. You no longer are compelled to live in disobedience and sin and just kind of following your inclinations. You've been set free and you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Cool. And it doesn't live out in my life. It's not something where I'm like, yes, and I want whatever that brings with it. I want to live in that freedom. I want to live in that hope and that joy and that peace. God, give me whatever you have. This is why the gospel is good news. This is why as we're, we're talking about this stuff through faith in Jesus, we should be going, yes, thank God. Because without him, I'm stuck in this. Not good. This is never gonna bring hope, joy, peace. This is never going to bear the fruit that every person wants. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that are now available to those who would put their faith in Jesus. And to that, I need to be going, oh, yes. And if you're here this morning and you have given your heart to Jesus, you have invited him to be the Lord of your life, this is what you're set free from. If you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision, you haven't made a profession of faith in Jesus, you, you, you would not call yourself a Christian, you're here because someone invited you again, and if I go once, maybe I can just shut them up. You're here because maybe, you know, hey, everybody needs a little religion in their life, and so why not? Let me first say, we are so glad that you are here. Be here. Keep coming here. You, you are in exactly the right place with your doubts, with your questions, with not having any idea, what is this whole Jesus thing? What, you are in the right place. Keep coming. We are glad that you are here. You are welcome here. This is where you need to be. And the reason we want you to keep coming is because what you're going to hear is the truth about how to be set free from this. Which we know every person, there's not a thing up here that somebody's like, well, I'm not so bad. We wanna be set free from this. And you may have questions, you may have doubts, and, and that's okay, be here. Because I believe in a huge God who wants to show himself to you and who wants to set you free from this. Who wants you to know that you can live in freedom from this. And we are really glad that you're here. The death that Paul's referring to is a spiritual death. Now when a person dies and their spirit leaves their body, we call it a corpse. 
All right, the person is dead. Here, the word death is being used metaphorically. And what it means is disconnect or separation from God. There's a disconnect from the way you were designed to live. There's a disconnect from the relationship that you were designed to have with your creator. If, if you're wondering, it's like, why does it feel like the job and the money and the family and the girlfriend and the, and the grades and, and all these things don't re really satisfy me? They weren't supposed to satisfy you. You were supposed to be satisfied by being set free from this. You're supposed to be satisfied by a relationship with your creator. But there is a disconnect when you're not, when you haven't put your faith in Jesus, there's a disconnect from that relationship. There's a disconnect from knowing how to walk in the will of God. And so many get stuck in this believing that all they need is a little more religion in your life. You do not need more religion in your life. You do not. And it will never satisfy. But there is a disconnect. If you're here just hoping for some helpful tools in life, help me, Jeff, just help me get through the next week with this coworker that I'm ready to strangle. It'll never work. It'll never satisfy if there's a disconnect where you have not surrendered your, surrendered your life to Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and been set free from this, there's a disconnect and it will never be satisfied by anything else. So I just throw it out there to you. It's like, what are you hoping will connect you? What are you hoping is gonna make things the way that you want them? There's a disconnect, there's a death without that relationship. And so much of that disconnect happens when we, we even say we wanna follow God. Yeah, God, I want your will for my life. But without being filled with the Holy Spirit, all you're left with is your own good ideas, our own intuition, our own intellect, our own what feels good. And here we're told, no, 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 you've been given new life. You've been made alive. You've been set free from this. If you'll surrender your heart, if you will give Jesus your heart. But there's a disconnect. And it's not just about right here and right now because there's an eternal element of this as well. That without Jesus, there is a separation, an eternal separation from the living God. It's hell. There is a separation from any sense of love, hope, peace, freedom, and so this is not just about you trying to look like a Christian or having a good day or getting you through the week or helping you finish out the year strong or, or whatever. This is about relationship and it has eternal ramifications. It has an eternal impact. But all this begins with accurately diagnosing the problem. Because if we don't accurately diagnose the problem, we start thinking that more church will fix it. We start thinking that a better job will fix it. We start thinking that a boyfriend or a girlfriend will fix it. We start thinking that if we could just get our kids to stop rebelling, it'll fix it. We start misdiagnosing these things and minimizing it and going, hey, well, maybe if I just do this. And we shut the hood, we get back in the car, and we continue on through life. Tick, 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 tick. And... God's going, no, 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 no. I want, I want you to be set free. 
I don't want you trying to fix it yourself. I don't want you trying to be good enough. I don't want you thinking that there's some other source of the hope and the joy and the peace that you're longing for, that you're craving. But we've got to accurately diagnose the problem. The problem is, without Jesus, we're dead. We are dead. There is a disconnect. There's a separation. And the, the scary part is, in, in my life, I grew up in church. I accepted Jesus when I was four years old. And I, I could probably count on my hands the number of Sundays I missed in church. And yet there have been seasons, some of them long seasons, where I am not living in the freedom that God has for me. I'm a Christian, I call myself a Christian, and I settle for youth group. I settle for church. I settle for worship songs that move me. I misdiagnose the problem. And until we turn and, and we go, God, I need you. You, are, I mean, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, really? I, am I living like he's my one defense? Like, like oh, I've got God, that he's the only, that, no way. I'm smart, kinda. I can figure stuff out sometimes. I can feel good. I've got positivity and woo. I mean, just put a problem in front of me and I'll tell you why it's gonna be okay, right? And, and I can just move on. Tick, 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 tick. When God's going, I've got life for you. I've got hope you've never experienced before. I've got gifts that I wanna give you, supernatural moves of my spirit that I wanna do in your life and you're settling for us. Christian karaoke and a book report. Come on. It's important to diagnose the problem. Verse four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I love what this verse highlights. While you were still dead, while your life was still a train wreck, when you were still making knucklehead decisions, while you still we're just living according to your feels and, and what you want to do and what's convenient and what. He loved you so much. While you were still thinking that there were solutions to your problems that you could make happen, that you could be confident, that you could, you know, make, make your life work for you. He loved you so much. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're messed up in right now. I don't know what has you in bondage, where you have stopped caring, or you have stopped believing that God wants to do anything about it. You've stopped believing that God wants freedom for you. You've stopped believing that God has new life for you. And so you've decided it'll be fine. Tick, 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 tick. But God is so rich in mercy and he loves you so much. 
Will you receive that love this morning? In whatever you're messed up in, whatever you, uh, maybe, you're, maybe your marriage is a wreck. Maybe friends have betrayed you. Maybe your kids are everywhere. Maybe your job is awful. Maybe it's anger or bitterness or selfishness or rage or hatred or jealousy. Whatever it is, will you receive his love believing that it's his love that will set you free? Believing that it's only his love that'll set you free. But so often we settle for so much less. We settle for compliments from people. Like if, if I just tell you, it's like, you know what? Hey, you're really talented. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad I know you. You're really talented. <laughs> That's what gives us value. If we do a good job at work, which do a good job at work. That's good. And, and you may be talented. That's awesome. But we allow so much less to be what, what we depend on for life. When we receive this love, when we receive this mercy that God is so rich in, there is freedom. So wherever you may be this morning, a great place, an awful place, a religious place, a lot of times that's where I find myself. I'm just kind of in this religious place where it's part of my theology, but there is freedom for you. There's freedom. I want to live in that freedom. I don't want to settle for anything less than that. I want to live in that freedom. And there is hope available to each of us. Now, maybe in case there's anybody here who you're thinking, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that that sounds good. And I'm sure that for everybody else in here, that applies. There's freedom for them. There's hope for them. You know, new life for them. That's great. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know how stuck I am. You don't know that I was messed up for a long time and then I, I found freedom, you know, I, and I, I, I trusted in God and then I relapsed and, and I got caught up in this stuff again and God's, God's not gonna bring me back. God's, God's not gonna forgive me again. Let me just remind you of this. The guy who wrote this letter, Paul, was an agent of the state, and he did his job incredibly well. And his job, round up followers of the way, Christians, beat them, imprison them, torture them, execute them. This is the guy who's saying, God is so rich in mercy, he set me free. I'm loved, I'm forgiven. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking you're too far gone, you're thinking that God won't forgive you again, well, I see a God who does. The question is, will you receive it? Will you let go of the shame and the guilt and receive the mercy and the grace and allow the Holy Spirit of God to light a fire in you where you're like, I don't know where this came from. I know I don't deserve this. I know that I'm not doing this myself. Praise God. And you live that out and the people around you are like, what in the world? She was a mess. And it doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean all your problems go away. It doesn't mean you don't relapse. 
But where are we turning? What are we believing in for life? Are we expecting God to move? For he raised us from the dead, verse six. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. He raised us from the dead, right? There, I mean, this is something Paul really wants us to get. Look, receive Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, you are raised from the dead. Now, he goes even further. He goes, oh, and in case you think this is just sort of a feel good and this is just to help you have a good week, this, if you think this is just to help you get through Monday, no, 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 this relationship goes into eternity, and the truth of it is that the gospel is good news, not just good news for today, not just good news for right now, not just good news because I'm up here talking in a very dramatic voice and using my hands in all kinds of ways to emphasize. It is good news because this is a foretaste of what God is going to do in us and with us for eternity. This is what we get to look forward to. This is the kind of relationship he longs for in us. And I settle for church. And he's going, look, no, 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 you've been raised from the dead. And you're gonna spend eternity with me. The good news is not only good news for right now. It's good news for the eternity to come. Do you believe that? Will you receive that? Verse seven, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Is, is this how you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible and the, and the things that are in there as evidence, as proof of like, oh, this God's for real. He, he really does stuff. This is not just a theology. He is alive. He is moving. He is active. Do you believe that the God of the Bible is the God of today? Do you believe that he's really moving? And is that being lived out in our life? Because he says, look, Paul is saying to, to the believers then going, look, this faith should make an impact on you that people look at and like, Oh, God's for real, for generations. That generations would look back and go, okay, that clearly wasn't them trying to be good people. That clearly wasn't them healing themselves. That clearly wasn't them bringing themselves, you know, self-help, you know, these self-help books and, and healing themselves. This God must be for real. To us, I know that some in here, you come from a lineage of believers, you come from a family tree of people who have put their faith in God. And as you look back at grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, you look and you go, oh, okay, God's for real. This, this isn't just religion. God is for real. As we live this out, if this is real to us, if we are really letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit says he'll do, there is no way it's like, oh, yeah, my family you know, went to church, I guess, for a while. The Holy Spirit is gonna light a fire. The Holy Spirit is gonna stir stuff up where we are unwilling to settle for anything less than his full glory. Where we are gonna expect things of God. We are gonna, God calls us to pray. 
And if there's somebody sick, that we're laying hands on them and we're praying for and believing that God can heal. We are called to pray. It's God's job to heal. Okay, we don't need to cover for God with just like, oh, well, yes, and if you... We're called to pray. We're called to step out. We're supposed to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, not make it our last resort. And if we will do that, generations will look back and go, this God must be real. It's not just a story. It's not just a rumor. There is real life in it. But we've got we've to go with this and go, is the God that we worship today the God of the Bible? Do you believe that God is still in the business of radically changing lives? Do you believe that God is still in the business of healing hearts? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is still in the business of giving supernatural gifts that are unexplainable outside of him? Do you believe, you know, we sang it this morning, I've seen you move the mountains and I believe you'll do it again. You made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again. Do we live in that kind of expectation? Or do we limit it to, so what do you think? Jeff gonna get us out on time? That's where I go. I don't even know if I'm gonna get you out on time. I don't, I'm just, but this is where we go. We minimize it and we, we make God small and we, we don't expect anything of God. The, is the God that you worship the God of the Bible who says, I will never leave you or forsake you? Who says, I want relationship with you because I have plans for you. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Paul's just being real, right? <laughs> God saved you when you received him. God saved you by his grace. Oh, and for those of you who think that, you know, it's because you've scored enough points, you've been to church enough, you bought a nice enough Bible, you have, have gone through all these motions, so you're basically a good person. He's going, oh, no, 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 no. You do not get to take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. How easy is that to fall into, right? When we start to feel real good about what a good person we are. Man, I was, the service at that restaurant was terrible, and I was really nice to the server. I even tipped her. 6%, but I tipped her. I'm such a blessing. Right? And we start to believe, and we wouldn't say that, oh, you can earn your way to heaven. We wouldn't say that because our theology, what we, what we believe, says different, but, but we kind of get this, I can be good enough. He's going, look, you're not earning this. The good news is not that you did good enough. The good news is not that you did good enough. We can never earn or deserve what's been done for us. You can never earn it. You could never deserve it. But here's the good news. You don't have to. Thank God. Thank you, God, that this isn't on me. That I don't have to just, you know, like, I mean, talk about a weight. I mean, if you're living under that, like, you better be good enough. You better be religious enough. You better love God enough. You better be kind enough and nice enough and do it. 
God, I'm trying. I'm trying. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened, and I'll give you what? Rest. The rest comes when we go, I can't be good enough. I can't do this on my own. I know you can't. Why are you trying? Will we live that out? Will we go, you know what? That is the declaration of my faith in my life. When I go to school on Monday, I'm gonna stop trying to show everybody how cool I am and how strong I am and how I'm smart enough and how the world's gonna accept me and how if I dress the right way, everything's gonna be great. On Monday, when I go to work, I'm done trying to be the tough guy who has all the answers for everybody and is able to work out any problem. Instead, I'm gonna live with this reality that I desperately need to be saved. That I desperately need God to step in and go, look, I'm your first resort. And I'm gonna fill you with my spirit and you are gonna move in power and you are gonna have hope and joy and peace that you could never fabricate on your own. You ready for that? Just, just let me know that I'm not alone. Anybody here ready for that? Anybody want that kind of life? I want that kind of life. I get to work at a church. It's not exactly like people are swearing around me. It's, it's like, I, I, if you would think that this is a place, ah, uh, this can be a place where we just go through the motions just like everybody else. I want more than that. I want the spirit of God to tear through LBF in a way that we went, whoa, that wasn't us. I mean, Dan's an incredible preacher, but that was definitely better than Dan. Man, I love Andy leading worship. I love Mike leading worship. I love Carter leading worship. I, but man, that, those weren't just songs. I want that. I want the Holy Spirit of the living God to flood this place supernaturally. And I don't want to settle for anything less. Are we inviting that? Are we expecting that. And I love this next part. For we are God's what? We are God's masterpiece. He was created for, he has created for uh, us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do all things he planned for us long ago. Couple things. One, we're whose masterpiece? God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are not a self-made man or a self-made woman. We try, right? We try and, and take credit for it. We try and be good enough. The reality of it is you are God's masterpiece. And because of that, of course he has plans for you. Of course he wants to move in you. And how easy is it for us to go like, yeah, I may be a masterpiece, but I got this God. No, no, I, I can do pretty well. He's going, you are a masterpiece. You know what I can do with a masterpiece? Anything I want. It's limitless. Limitless potential from a limitless God. When we are filled with his spirit, we are his masterpiece. Of course he has plans for you. There are people who collect guitars and there, there are some really nice guitars and they hang on the wall. The only purpose is to stare at them on the wall. These are masterpieces hanging on a wall. So the person can say, look at my guitar on the wall. Don't play it. Okay, there may be value in stuff, but what? It's a masterpiece. 
It's a, I've gotten to play masterpiece guitars. You know how they play? Master, masterfully. It's amazing. It's like, play, ah. We are God's masterpiece. We're not supposed to hang on a wall. We're not supposed to just go to church. You're not supposed to just call yourself a Christian. You're God's masterpiece. Hello. Are we living like masterpieces? Are we going out as the world looking at us and going, okay, they're special. They've, they're created for something more. I wonder if that more is for me too. Are you living like a masterpiece? Would you stand with me? Every person in, the, in here is gonna respond to this differently, which is cool because God has a plan for every single person in this room, whether you believe he does or not. But this question, you are a masterpiece. Are you living in that identity? As a masterpiece of God, are you believing that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and believe that God wants to do the miraculous? Do you believe that God has more for you than a good sermon? Do you believe that God has more for you than getting through the week at work? Do you believe that God wants to use you, move in your life to bring others to him and to reveal his love for them? Do you believe that God can restore your hope and your joy and your peace? Do you believe that God will be who he promises to be? And this morning, I wanna pray for us. I want us to pray for us. We are the body of Christ. It's not like, oh, whoever's up on stage is the one with all the power. We are the body of Christ. And I want us to pray together. And I wanna ask you this. If you're in a place where you're going, you know what? I wanna live in freedom. I don't wanna live being controlled by my impulses and my addictions or my religion or my habits. I want the real life of Jesus. And you're here this morning and you would recognize and, and go, I haven't been doing that. It doesn't mean you're not a good person. It doesn't mean you're evil. But you, I have so often in my life settled for so much less. And I wanna ask you right now, if you're in a place where you believe that God wants more for you, that he's calling you to more, that he's stirring something up, even, even this morning, this is, this is not just an emotion, it, it's not me just trying to, to get you on board with me, but you, you feel like God is stirring something up in you, saying, I have more for you. Will you live in this freedom? I want us to pray. I think it's important for us to acknowledge, to accurately diagnose the problem. And sometimes it helps to do this physically. And so I wanna ask you, if you're in that place of going, I wanna live in more freedom, I, I, I believe God has more freedom, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? And it does, it's not for everybody. Don't, don't do it just because I'm asking you to, but you believe God has more for me and I wanna live in that freedom. If there's somebody around you right now you don't need to know their story, but would you just move over to them? We're gonna pray together. Keep your hand up so that people can see. Look around, and if there's somebody around you, would you just kind of move together 
put your hand on their shoulder or ask them if that's okay or whatever. And I'm gonna pray. And this morning, let's believe God wants to move. Let's believe that there is freedom. Let's believe that there is more than going to church. Let's believe that there is healing. Lord God, right now, we expect you to move. We ask you to move. We believe that you are still in the business of bringing hearts to life. And right now, I pray, we pray collectively together in faith, believing you have more. And for those here this morning, God, that have acknowledged they want more. They want to receive more. They want to trust you for more. God, I pray that you would do that in their life. God, for those right now who need physical healing, God, I pray for physical healing. I pray that you would miraculously mend bones and ligaments and tendons. God, that you would bring healing to backs and legs and migraines. God, I pray that you would show yourself in miraculous ways. God, I pray for those who are, are struggling so much with depression or anger or anxiety or fear. God, I pray right now that you would free them, that you would release them to do the work, to live the life that you have called them to live. God, we believe you can do this. This is not too big for you. And God, in those areas, help us in our unbelief. Help us in the ways that where we, we think that it's not possible or it probably won't happen. God, we come to you and we ask you to move in power, to bring healing. We thank you for being a good God, full of mercy that while we are still a train wreck, you love us and you wanna set us free. There's some others here this morning where you, you have never given your heart to Jesus. This is all still new and you've got questions and, and doubts. And by the way, you are never gonna be in a place in your life without questions or doubts. But he is calling you into relationship. He wants to set you free. And he wants that relationship for eternity. So right now, if you're in a place where you go, you know what, I've still got questions or I'm still not sure, but you are willing to take that step of going, I believe that this God is real. And I believe that I can't do this on my own. I can't fix myself. I can't save myself. And I need to be saved by Jesus. And I want to invite him to be the Lord of my life. If you're in that place, would you raise your hand? Because I wanna pray with you. Would you raise your hand and go, yep, yeah, that's me. And again, you are in a room of people who love you and are so excited that you would make this decision. So if you wanna pray with me, Lord Jesus, I put my faith in you and believe in your forgiveness. I believe that it is through you I am set free. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask for you to forgive me for the ways that I've lived against you. And I want to live in the freedom that you are offering. And God, for each one of us, we need you. And we wanna live in anticipation and expectation of all that you have. God, help us not to settle. Help us not to just be ticking down the road, saying everything's fine when you have so much more. You have healing for us. 
And I pray that you would reveal that to us and that we would live in that freedom.